Welcome to the Love Life Church podcast, and thank you for checking us out. We love God, love people, and love life, and we hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. I want to talk about something that is, it's probably the most important thing as far as my heart, and what's impacted my life as far as being a pastor, and that is starting this church. But through the years, you know, you go through church and you just rely on the, the consciousness of church. And even though, you know, we do the things that, that show that we are, quote, Christians and things like that, and we talk to people about our Christian faith and things like that, and it just, it becomes something where I, I believe that loses empowerment over the time. And I say that with it's, it's sad, but it's also something through experience. I've, I've seen this. I've been in ministry long enough to watch people empowered and fired up and all of a sudden, you know, just float away or, or, or become, you know, cold or calloused. And I know that this doesn't create that. But I believe religion does. With all my heart, I know that religion does. And religion, by definition, is, is anything that man or, or people take hold of and start manipulating it into their perception, their viewpoint. And that's the dangers. And God's, you know, clearly determined that he's not going to interfere, that I give you the truth and hopefully it becomes followed correctly. But over the years, it's not hard and it's not difficult to see that you can get off track. The key is, is to get back on track. The key is, is to make sure that if you know you're doing something incorrectly, get back on track correctly. Now, I know in our culture and our, the way we've been trained and raised, that's difficult because it's so intertwined with our image of ourselves. And nobody likes to say, oh, I screwed up, I messed up. We, we want to excuse it off. We want to say, no, that I, it's because, and, and, and we start, you know, doing everything we can other than, yeah, that's my bad. I really blew that one. And that's sad, but that is the condition of life out there. And that's why a lot of people don't change. Because we want to excuse it. We want to make a reason why. We want to point fingers. And listen, according to this and what I see in this, God is about messed up lives and everywhere in this scripture everything that is so opposite of a religious conception this religious ideology is the truth and that's what I want I want truth to be shown to where we start freeing ourselves from this 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 legalistic judgmental view and this is came came to a, a major impact uh, as I've been just going through my heart in how we see ourselves as love life and how we see the vision and picture of who we are. And ultimately, it got down to the understanding of what we are. Because you can't see who until you define what. And that's what I recognized. And I started realizing, you know what? We've got the messages, we've got the information that's, that's, that's intermingling a desire, but we need a concrete picture, something that's not difficult, 
because Jesus wasn't difficult, but something that's very clear cut and that we can run with that understanding. Because ultimately, I don't care where you go to church, the purpose of the church is win the lost, make disciples. The purpose of family, life on earth is to have babies and raise babies. You don't do that, you don't have life. The natural principle, the spiritual truth. So there is no, our vision is, and we want to feed the poor. You can have a, a desire for that, but that's not vision according to Scripture. The vision of the church is to win the lost and make disciples. I mean, that's, that's factual. Now, how you go through the process of doing that determines love life, first Baptist, second Catholic, third Methodist, whatever. How we do that then defines this family unit. Just like you guys do things differently in your family units. That define what? Define your family. Your Christmases aren't the same as mine. How you guys do your Christmas Eve. How you do Christmas Day. And, and, and I've learned that as I talk with people. I ask them, you know, what do you do on Christmas Eve? How do you guys do it? And I remember how we did mine growing up. And then all of a sudden, I, I, I marry a Mexican. And, and, and it's freaky because now you're eating at midnight, you know, and you're like going, God, I should be sleeping because Santa Claus is coming in a few hours. He, we're going to screw his plans up. We're going to be awake when he's trying to get to our house. This is messed up, messed up. So, I mean, this is, these are things you have to, but it's, it's, it's incorporating, you know, and, and finally she came to her senses, and we don't do that anymore. Hallelujah. I gringo iced her. But, but it, it, it was something that, that it was, it's, it's, it, I didn't really have a problem with it. But the point is, is people do things differently. And the doing the things doesn't change, you know, how you do things differently, making a kid or how you do things, but training a child, those are all the two principles of life. And so the two principles of a church life or the kingdom is, is, Winning people to Jesus, and then the training. And that's it. It's the training not based upon a religious concept, but training based upon life concept. And I want us to always be that. And so it came to a major conclusion when I just recently heard this survey. They did a nationwide survey, the Barna Group, of unchurched people. And they went all over, all over this U.S. And they asked people that did not have a relationship with Jesus, didn't go to church, they asked them this. Define the church with two words. That's it. And that's what they do. They went to people and they asked first, you know, you know do you, have you received Jesus or anything like that? So they would get people that had no connection and they said, define the church but only in two words. And this is what broke my heart. Not that it defines us, but it defines who we represent. Judgmental and irrelevant. I thought, oh my God. Judgmental and irrelevant. And I started really looking at my life and our church, and I thought, if we don't combat 
this religious ideology, these religious viewpoints that ultimately always get to judging people on what they do or don't do. It always goes that way. I mean, I, I, I mean, in church, I mean, in our own church through the years. Now, I, I believe we're getting way better, but I mean, I, I've had leaders, you know, coming up to me and say, hey, that person's smoking, we need to do something. And it's like, dude, do you not listen to anything I teach up here? But I mean, that, that's, to me, when I heard that in, in, in leadership talking that way, I thought, I'm screwing up somehow. I mean, I just thought, there, how can you not, how can you be that? But it's amazing how that, that just slowly develops in people's hearts and minds because they start creating doctrines that are different from this house. And they start becoming very judgmental just based upon, hey, that, that, that Christian cussed, you know. And I apologize. That hurt when I hit my toe, you know. But, oh, I, that wasn't me. Just kidding. But the point is, is I don't want to be that. And if we aren't cautious, that's what we will become. Because we'll be that way in our homes. Which it's just, it's an ugly thing. And this isn't what I see at all in the life of Jesus. I can prove it over and over, or the life of God. I mean, God declares connection with people that are so screwed up, so messed up in their life. Not perfect people doing bad things. And God's in relationship with them. I mean, you look at the beginning of, of when Jacob, when he, when he, you know, met God, and this is the house of God, this is Bethel, and, and his whole connection with them. Well, the story before that was as he was deceiving his dad, stealing a covenant from his brother. And the next story we have is God's meeting him. What's up with that? Or Abraham selling his wife so he wouldn't die. And then God's speaking to him. I've got a covenant. I've got a plan for your life. You'd think Abraham would go, God, did you just not see me lie and sell my wife? Why would you use me? But he never did that. And God's using him. You got David taking another guy's wife and then killing the husband so he ain't caught. And then God's speaking to him. It's a man after my own heart. I mean, this stuff can really freak you out until you understand the Father. And then you start realizing, wait a minute. Father loves because there ain't no one on this earth that's perfect. And there's no one on this earth that has this great life that's so holy. But that's what religion was creating. And when Jesus came to this earth, at the time he came, religion had such a massive foothold in that Middle East. I mean, it was rampant. And that's why the terminology in Scripture in the New Testament is tied to slavery. Most of the time, it's connected to slavery. And that's what religion will do. It will bring slavery into your life to where you're not having fun. And when I hear a Christian talking about it's not fun, it's not that. I know where you're going. You're not going to this, you're going away from this. But believe me, I understand. Because there's a whole lot of people out there that are teaching as if that stuff's in here. And it's not. I'm telling you right now, it's not. 
And so what we must do is we've got to get to the connection of the new commandment that Jesus lays out for all of us. And he says this to not only his disciples, but to us. If you go to John 13, 34, right, Jesus is, he's, you know, he's, he's getting ready to go toward the cross. I mean, this is a major time in his life. And I need you to really hear what's being said because it, this is amazing. When you start putting two and two together and start adding the dots, you start realizing that this Jesus, we really need to pay attention more. And we really need to see how he communicated in the midst of situations that we would be entirely different. And this is important because it's who we're supposed to be following. And it says here, a new commandment I give to you. Love one another and not done, I'm over with. Love one another as I have loved you. So it's not based upon how we love, it's based upon how he loves. So none of us are perfected on that. So what we do is we learn. We look at the life of Jesus and we connect his way into our way. Isn't that something we have to work at? Anybody, you, or, or you all got it now. You all, you all arrived. Okay, maybe you can, maybe we can do Second Saturday, you teach me. Okay, because I'm not there. I mean, this is like, I'm reading this stuff and I'm like going, oh man, I got a lot to learn. So, so do we have a lot of people that have a lot to learn or you guys, okay, yeah, and the heads are not, and you're still, you know, being rebellious to this, but that's okay. You know, I'll work that religion out of you. The thing is, is see, what we have to do is we have to, listen, I love being able to connect with people in, in these truths, but I love to do it most of all when I'm just talking with people and just relating, and I try to do that up, up here just for the basis of people to connect with the mindset of, yeah, I can do this. I can do this. Because greatness lays before you, but if you don't start the walk, you'll never get there. And it's not tied to how good you are. It's tied to, are you going to do it? That's it. Are you going to do it? Because if you don't move forward, you're not going anywhere. I have given to you, oh wait, 13 to 4. I have loved you, love each other, if I loved you, that you also love one another. Watch this. By this, we will know. By this, we will know. This is so, so vital to understand out of the mouth of Jesus because ultimately, we want to define a disciple as super spiritual. Someone that has the ability to flow in the Holy Ghost. All the other freaky stuff you can think of that is not lined up with Scripture. We wanted to find someone that's a disciple in relationship, you know, how many years of Bible college have you gone to? How many Scriptures do you have memorized? And I say that's just a bunch of crap. I say we abide by what Jesus said in this the truth. How do you know a disciple? They're loving. They're not backbiting. They're not gossiping. They're not 
causing division. They're not, you know, being evil-minded. They're loving. And these are how you know who my disciples are. They love. How do you define that? It's a big word. But it's a word that I've made a decision to continue to journey on. I'm not stopping. I'm going to keep allowing this word to keep unfolding in my life. And the more it unfolds, the more I fall in love with the Father. It just, it brings so much security. So much hope and expectation in a world that's dying of this stuff. We need to be the people that revitalize. We have to. Because there's people, many of you are new to this thing. But you're getting in on a good ground of, man, this is good. I'm, I, I'm loving what I'm hearing. Hey, some of us got in old school where, you know, we do something wrong, God's going to kick us out of heaven. You know, he's just, he's just waiting to beat us. And, and, and we've gone through a lot of ugly, but at least we persevered. And we kept, kept going and kept going. I know, God, you're going to kick me out of heaven, but I'm going to keep loving you. I hope you'll love me one day. And, and hey, I, I, just, I kept going. I kept going. And now I'm at the place where, how immature. But I didn't know any better. You know, I didn't know any better. It's what I was getting, the information that I was receiving. So ultimately, it's all on them, not on me. No, I'm just kidding. But the point is, is listen, ultimately, what you do is you start realizing when I start connecting with this information, what happens is, is I don't need, and this is what I try to explain to, you know, when I'm talking about my relationship with the Lord and how I, you know, engage with that. I don't need, you know, 30, 40 minutes or an hour of pre-worship for me to start worshiping God. I can engage right away. And listen, it was very difficult to get there at first. And the reason why is, is I'd have to go through the whole process of getting holy. Yeah, it's very frustrating. Because who's defining that? Me. So how am I defining holiness? Me. So if I can't enter into that, I can't worship him. That is so so aggressively against truth. And it's robbed me in the past, I'm saying. In the past, it robbed me of so much time with God just because I wasn't good enough to get in his presence. So I'd have to spend most of the time begging him, begging the God that sent his son to die for me. Is that crazy? Is that, is that like ridiculous? But see, that's what we'll do. And we'll create this atmosphere that only, it, it, it almost violates our ability to enter in the presence of God when his word says, come boldly. And the scripture in the new covenant is talking about a, a time period of the old covenant that you couldn't come boldly into the presence of God and only one person could and even then you could die. No one went near the Holy of Holies. It was like you had, they, they were so 
fearful that they would tie a rope on the priest on his ankle so that if he died, they'd be able to pull him out. Is that something? And that is the holy of holies. That's where God's presence, his presence was. And so they'd tie a bell so they could hear. Ding, ding. He's cutting, sacrificing blood. Ding, ding. Ding, ding. Ding, ding. And all of a sudden, if it went, should we pull? I don't hear the bell. Do you hear the bell? I don't hear the bell. Start pulling. Ding, ding. Hold it, hold it. Ding, 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 ding. Is that something? And then the new covenant. Come boldly into the throne of grace. And everybody's like going, I ain't going in there. I might die. And someone needs to be around me just in case. And see, this is what's happened. We, we've built these barriers of all the different legalistic laws that we have to come in his presence. And I'm telling you, you are missing out on so much of God's goodness just on your own doctrines that you created. You should be able to, boom, I'm in his presence. And you know what? That's how God connects. I do not have to sit there and go, Lord, hallelujah, and boo, Jesus. And the moment I engage is when I know he's here. He's connected. Don't get me wrong. Everything is involved in my time with God, singing and praying and worshiping, and it can be laughing. It can be tears. All this is involved, but I've already engaged. Not I have to pre-engage, pre-engage to engage. i got to get holy before I get in. The Lord, God, forgive me of all my sins. I repent. I'm a loser. I'm no good. God, forgive me. Hallelujah. You know, it's, it's funny, but I'm telling you, that's how most people view this. And I'm here to kick that stuff out because you can't find it anywhere unless you just pay your life, play your life in the Old Testament. And that's my brothers and sisters is how most of these people do. They just quote Old Testament scripture, Old Testament pictures, Old Testament views. And then all of a sudden, what are we going to do? The Old Testament's the law. So it abides by the law. We have to live in the new covenant. In the new covenant's love, grace, mercy. And then we have the ability to look at the Old Testament and we can take scriptures and live in those correctly. Correctly. And that's the only way you can be free. You can't intertwine them. Did you know that if you're guilty in one point of the law, you're guilty in all? That means you don't do it. Don't go that way. Don't connect with that concept because you're guilty in one, you're guilty of all. I'd rather just say, no more. I'm not even connected with that stuff. I'm free. And he who the son says free, free indeed. And that's my life. I'm connected that way. But I know the process. I've been on this journey for a while now, so I'm trying to help you. Help you get there. Well, then, what, what, what about sin? What about it? How are you going to relate to something you do all the time? And that's what people don't get. You, you want to qualify sin as bad sin. But you don't want to talk about the hour you spent gossiping on the phone. You don't want to talk about that sin. You want, hallelujah, Jesus, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. And you just gossiped all an hour. 
Well, because you didn't do a bad sin. Let's see, God understands the bad sin. Defined by who? You see what I'm saying? Defined by who? And that's what's happened in the church. We pre-qualify what sin is or sin isn't. God says if you know to do, do good and you don't do it, it's sin. So you know it, that, that, that neighbor of you that lets their dog out in your front yard and goes poo-poo there. You know you should go pick that up. That would be the good thing to do. But that's that stinking neighbor's dog. They need to pick it up, so I'm going to take that thing and throw it over in their house. And not in their yard. I'm going to make sure it lands on their front step. Bringing their dog over into my front yard, messing all over. But see, he that knows to do good, what would be the good thing to do? Pick that thing up. See, I know I'm taking this a whole different level of Christianity. We're like going, I ain't, I ain't mature yet. I didn't say I was. I'm just telling a story. It doesn't mean I do that. It doesn't mean it's happened. It hasn't happened. But I see those people walking their dogs, and I know those dogs aren't getting walked just to have exercise. Because nobody walks around for exercise with little plastic things and all that stuff. You know, you're like going, they're looking for a place to go poo-poo. That's why you have a long leash, and it's just going all over the place. The point is, is you can't live a life like that. It's just not worth it. The best thing to do is connect. Connect in your relationship. Connect your understanding. And that itself brings maturity to a place of, you know what, I don't want to do that anymore. That's not being helpful in my life. I don't want to do that. I can't hang with that person anymore. Listen, I've been there, done that. It's time, you know what, I'm just going to have to start. i got to make a different choice. And that's what you do. You, you ultimately grow to the place where you go, I need to make changes. I need to make changes, Right? And usually it's after we got hurt, after something, you know, not good happens. Usually, you know, you went to the dentist, the doctor, or someone, a friend, or, you know, something happens, you know, oh, I'm pregnant, oh, I shouldn't have a relationship, I'm not married yet. And, and, but see, what do you do? What are you, where are you going to go with that? But, yeah, and that's the point. What do we do with that? What does our church do with that? Do we engage in the ugly of a legalistic law view, or do we have a view of grace? Because the deed is done. My thing is to build your identity up to where, man, no bling, no ring, and that person better have a house, a car, and, and everything else, and a covenant written down that I ain't, I ain't, I'm committed to you. And then you can say, I do. But anything other than that is, is you know, you, you got to build your identity for that. If you don't have to build your identity, you, you're just going to give yourself to whoever. And that's not my job. And that could be a guy or a girl. I need you to identify to yourself as such, a, such an important player in the kingdom of God and so, so worthy and valuable that all of a sudden you start having specific conditions in your life that have to be met because you see yourself in a different light. That's why you see repeat offenders and everything because their image is torn. Where, who, where's the place to get it fixed? It should be a place like this. Amen? A place like this. And that's what I want us to be known for. A place the hurting can come, 
and receive help. I have made a stance that I want the unchurched. When I heard that, I just totally focused and said, I don't want church hoppers. I don't want people from another church. I just don't want it. Now, if you've come from another church and this is a choice you made and blah, 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 whatever. That's your choice and I have no problem with that. What I'm saying is, is me and my house, my leadership, we ain't looking to pull people from other churches. I don't want that. And if you're talking to people from another church, this is how you talk to them. Get involved. Stay faithful to your pastor. Be submitted. Be committed. That's how you talk. That's how you talk. And that's the way I've always been. But the point is, is we need to be people that want those people out there that are looking for answers. They needed love. They need to understand grace. They need help. And if they're asking for it and they're desiring answers, then let's give it to them. All right? And listen, if you got someone you know they're, they're at church, at another church, but they're not involved and they're whatever and you're, you're ministering to them, whatever, I'm not saying disconnect from them. All I'm saying is our heart should be People that are in church. That's all I'm saying. You guys got that? All right. It, it's, it is my heart, though, because there's so many people out there that they need what you and I have. Amen? They need it, and that's what we want to bring. So it says that he said, I want us to love. I want us to walk in love as I love, not our definition, as he walked in love. I, I'm amazing that when Jesus is talking about this stuff, He goes into a talk with Peter about his denial. He, he talks about one of his own that are going to betray him. Gosh. Can you guys just take that picture? It wasn't even, it's not even in what I was planning on talking about, but I've seen scripture Four or five different times where Jesus was talking to Judas specifically. One scripture says that Judas was known from the beginning to betray Jesus. Okay, so Jesus knew from the beginning that Judas was going to betray him. And what did Jesus do? Follow me. What? I mean, if I was Jesus and I knew that Judas was going to betray me, I would have kicked him out of the club. I, I would have said, I don't need you. You know, Levin's good. Father Levin's good. We can do 11. The 12, ain't, he could just be stealing money anyway. That's what he's going to be doing. And then, if you hear specific words, did you know that Jesus, Judas wasn't set in stone to do what he did? And the words of Jesus show that, that he would relate in Scripture for Judas to make a choice every single time. Did you know that Peter, what he did wasn't because designed by God? He just chose to be disobedient from the words of Jesus. The words of Jesus were continually communicated as far as what the disciples would do. And Peter decided to not follow through with that and do his own thing. And Peter was good at that, wasn't he? 
And so we look at scriptures, and all of a sudden you start seeing these statements, and you see Jesus, every once in a while, reaching out. At the Last Supper, what does he do? I mean, he protects Judas. If you relate to scripture correctly and pay attention to it, let me ask you something. Was Peter a hothead? Did he have sometimes violent tendencies? Oh, yeah, he did. He's the one who cut off the guy's ear in the garden. I mean, Jesus is about ready to go to the cross. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. And Peter's like going, I'll cut your head off. And he wasn't, he wasn't swinging for an ear. He was wanting the guy's head to come off. And he was going to continue to go on this warfare. A disciple of Jesus. Hallelujah. That's why Jesus said, I want you to love like I do, not the way you do. And what do you see? You see Jesus at supper time. He says, one of you are betraying me. Protected him. Why? Because I know what Peter would have did. If Jesus would have said, and Judas, you're the betrayer. You know what's going to happen. Get a rope. They're, they're, no, do you guys, are you guys seeing this? Do you see what would happen? They would kill Judas. We're not talking about they'd be polite and go, that's not a good thing to do, Judas. I'm telling you right now, I have no doubt that they would have killed him. They would have killed him. Straight up. But what happens? Jesus protects do you guys, are you guys seeing a picture of Jesus that it's almost unrelatable to some of the pictures we have of this faith? And that's what I'm trying to say. Let's go on this journey together to where not only are we growing, but when someone comes in here and they don't have a right understanding, they don't have a right picture, but they're looking for this, this truth, this hope that we want to be seen in the Bible, but there's so much ugly out there. Why is a church defined as judgmental ir irrelevant? Because that's what religion is. It judges, and it's not relevant to today. It's not relevant to life. But my Bible, my word, this truth is relevant 100%. This stuff is awesome for Monday. It's awesome for relationship. It's awesome for marriages. It's awesome for parenting. It's awesome for being a worker. It's awesome for being a boss. It's awesome for vision. It's awesome for expectation. It's awesome for hope. It's awesome for vacations. It's awesome. It's just plain awesome. It's a good thing. It's an awesome thing. And that's the Bible. That's the truth that we can live by. Not a religious, legalistic one, but a truth that is life. And we can live that life. Amen? We can live that life. And we can find out more about it next Sunday. Because I'm out of time. Praise God. Or he can come second service and get the rest. Amen? But God is good, isn't he? I know we're getting it. And I'm going to go through some these Sundays and, and get this picture going in a right way to where you're going to go, man, I got this. I, I, I'm connected with what we are about. And that's what my, my purpose and focus on the month of October, because we've got some awesome changes, awesome things we're going to be looking at in, the, in this coming year, moving into 2020. Whoa. 
We've got some plans. You, it, it's, it's Thanks again for listening. To hear more encouraging messages just like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you loved what you received, please consider rating it and sharing it with your friends and family. For more information about Love Life and getting connected with us, go to lovelife.church. We love you and are believing God's best for you. Thank you.